If you brought a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go with me, please, to two portions of Scripture this morning. We're going to go first to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel. And then we're going to go to 2 Timothy, about midway through the year New Testament there, 2 Timothy, chapter 6. As we continue our sermon series on expecting. How many of you are expecting? I'm expecting good things from God. My hope is up this morning. Is your hope up this morning? The Bible said that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And this morning, as we continue this series, as God has been speaking to our hearts on the great value of our faith, I want to share just two verses out of St. Luke's Gospel. These are two verses taken from the final part of the conversation between Mary, who God honored and chose to be the mother of the Messiah, uh, God's son in human flesh. And the conversation ended with these words. Verse 37 of chapter 1 of Luke. For nothing will be impossible with God. Can you say that with me this morning? Nothing will be impossible with God. Doesn't that just feel good? God has sent me here this morning to tell somebody that nothing will be impossible with God. He said, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Perhaps a well-known portion of scripture to you as well. It reads, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ who testifies the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege of being in your house. What a joy it is to be in the presence of a living God. I thank you that I can be a part of the body of Christ this morning. And as a minister of the gospel, I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God and anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word with faith in their hearts this morning. I ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated. We continue discussing this great topic of expecting. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of the things that we are expecting and the evidence of things unseen. The scripture says that we believe that by faith the things that were seen were made by those things that were not seen. That God created the world out of nothing. And so when we talk about faith, we're talking about the 
single greatest key to uh, living the godly and powerful, spirit-empowered Christian life. There are a few options, I suppose, in living the Christian life. You could live a regular, common Christian life where nothing is expected of you and nothing is expected of God. But there is a place where you and I can live. A place where miracles happen. A place where God speaks. A place where walls come down and where the the sick are healed. A place where the deaf hear and the blind see. A place where souls are saved and miraculously converted by the power of God. And I'll tell you this morning that I would much rather live in that place. I would much rather live in that place where God is on the move, where God is active, and God is at work. But you see, in order to live in that place of miracles, we must live and walk a life of expecting faith, a life that waits upon God. One of my favorite biographies and one of my favorite missionaries is Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China, mightily used by God, and there are millions of Christians in China today in part because of the work of Hudson Taylor. And he described the process uh, of a miracle, and I want to use his description of it as an outline for our study this morning. He said, every great thing God does is first impossible, then difficult, then done. And if you study miracles, I think you'll note that that is about how God works. It begins with an impossibility. Then it becomes a difficulty. And then ultimately it is done. So I want you to say those three words with me this morning. Impossible, difficult, done. And I want to help us move from impossible to difficult and from difficult to done. How many of you would like some done in your life? I think you can do better than that. How many of you like some done in your life? This is the pattern of of miracles that God uses for our lives. And so when God begins a work, he begins uh, by doing something in us that is impossible by human means. It is impossible by human understanding. And yet this morning we can begin with this incredible promise, this incredible truth that God says nothing is impossible with him. I said nothing is impossible with God. Maybe they're going to hear me better on this side. I said nothing is impossible with God. We serve a big God. I don't know if you know that, but you don't have to have a great faith in a small God. You and I can have small faith because we have a big God. He said, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, that you can say to yonder mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. We serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God who can make difficult situations, impossible situations, turn into possibility for our life. God said to Abraham and Sarah, is anything too hard for God? He said to the prophet Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? And I think he's saying to us this morning, 
Kingsway Church, is there anything that your God cannot do? Is there anything that our God is unable to do? Is there a, a reach too far for God? I tell you this morning, nothing is impossible with God. If you're addicted to drugs and you can't find freedom, I'll tell you this morning, nothing is impossible with God. Maybe you're fighting disease in your body and sickness has afflicted your soul. Nothing is impossible with God. I serve a healing Jesus and I preach a healing Jesus to you this morning. Maybe you're trying to save your marriage with no possibility for breakthrough. I'm here to tell you this morning that nothing is impossible with God. You ought to get excited about that because you and I serve a mighty God. A God of the impossible. Now it seems that God always brings us to impossible situations. What does impossible tell us? It tells us that we have come to the end of ourselves. We have come to the end of our strength. When you come against an impossibility, it means that you have gone as far as you can go on your own. Let me tell you, friends, that that is where miracles happen. That is where the glory of God is manifest. God works where your strength ends. At the end of your strength is a, is a place for God to move, a place for God to work. So many in the, in the Christian faith, we live in a place of comfort where we do the things that we can do. We only reach as far as we can reach. We only go as far as we can go. We only give as much as we can afford to give. We only pray prayers big enough that if God doesn't come through, we'll come through for ourselves. And we find ourselves living in a land of Christian mediocrity outside of the full blessing that God has for his church. But there is a place just beyond your strength where God makes himself strong. A place just beyond your ability where God shows himself able and present. I want to live in that place. I want to live in that arena of the miraculous. God will often bring us to the end of ourselves so that he can show off in our lives. He'll bring us to impossibilities so that we will have to lean upon him. He brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and then he brought them to the edge of the Red Sea. They came to the end of themselves and now they had but one way out and that was God. He brought Abraham and Sarah the promise of a child and then he didn't give them a child until they were well up in years. 25 years they waited and when Abraham was 100 years old then when God had brought him to the end of himself he said alright Abe now I'm going to do this thing in you so that only I can get the glory and the credit. He brought that widow in the, in the books of Kings to that place of impossibility. She he called to the prophet and said, Sir, if I don't pay off these debts, my sons are going to be taken to a debtor's prison. God brought her to a place of impossibility so that he could prove himself strong in her life. Has God ever brought you to such a place? Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe God has brought you to a place of impossibility for your life. I want to give you two reasons why God does this. Why does God bring us to the end of ourselves. Why does he bring us to the place of the impossible? Well, number one, he brings us there 
to show us what's in our own heart. You know, nothing will reveal a person's heart like pressure. When you put a man or woman under pressure, the real man comes out. If there's a spiritual man in there, he's going to come out under pressure. And if there's a carnal man in there, he's going to come out under pressure. You can be real godly when everything's going right. You've got money in the bank. You've got uh, a good sound job and everything is right where you want it to be and in hand. It's easy to be godly then. It's easy to say, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That was a great sermon, Pastor. But then there comes a day when you get under pressure and what's on the inside is squeezed out of you. And when you get under pressure, God says, all right, I'm going to see what is in your heart. I want you to know what is in your own heart. He said to the nation of Israel, I took you into the wilderness to show you what was in your heart. Oh, I know, friends, that that is not a good, a good place to be all the time. Because when we discover what's in our own heart, it's not always very pretty, is it? Sometimes the things that come out of our heart, we wonder, I didn't even know that that was still in there. I thought I had dealt with that. But pressure will bring those things to the surface so that they can be confessed and repented of and removed from our lives. I'm here today to tell you, if you're going to walk in some miracles, you're going to have to face some pressure so that those things can come up out of your life. When God reveals our heart to us, it's not that he doesn't know our heart. It's that he wants us to know our heart. He reveals our heart to us, and we find ourselves in a place of contrition, a place of humility before God. That's the first reason. Second reason God brings us to impossible situations is so that only he can get the glory. You see, if you could work miracles, I have an idea, maybe not all of you, but some of us would be boasting about the miracles that we had performed. And we would say, look at what I did. Look at what I built. Look at what I accomplished. But God says, no, no, no. I'm jealous for my glory. I'm not going to share my glory with anybody. So he brings us to a place where if he doesn't come through Nobody's coming through. He comes and brings us to a place where we have to say, look what the Lord has done. Have you ever been in that place where if God didn't show up, it was over, but then God showed up and you walked away saying, look what God has done in my life. Oh, friends, that's the first step, that step of impossibility. But let me just explain to you the next step. Because the miracle begins with an impossible situation. But once your faith gets activated, once your faith gets moving, because that's the ingredient that is necessary in order to obtain a miracle, you have to have faith. The Bible said that without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you know that? It, is in, it doesn't say it's difficult or hard. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. And so faith is the key that turns the engine of miraculous supernatural power in your life. When there is no faith, there is no place for God to move. But when faith is activated in your life, now God says, all right, I can work with this man. I can work with this woman. And so faith is essential to our heart. The moment you go into faith, the impossible becomes difficult. Now, how many of you know difficult doesn't sound great, but it's better than impossible, right? Difficult means now it's doable. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some challenges, but it's doable. 
And so this morning, I want to use this word difficult because it's a reality that you and I are going to face every time we're going from an impossible situation to done, we're going to have to face the fight in between. Say that with me. There's a fight in between. Between Egypt and the promised land, there's a fight in between. Between a a wrecked marriage and a happy marriage, there's a fight in between. Don't say amen, not an altar call. I'm just explaining the facts. Between rebellious children and successful adults, there is a fight in between. Between financial lack and financial abundance, there is a fight in between. And for that reason, a lot of people do not attempt the impossible because they don't want to get involved in any fights. They don't want to have any kind of struggle. But the Bible tells us that we have to fight the good fight of faith. You have to get in the fight. You have to engage the struggle by faith. The good fight of faith. Somebody said this. I thought it was kind of humorous. God closes one door. He opens another. But it's hell in between. How many of you have ever been in the in between? God shut that door. He's going to open that door. But in between, I'm about drowning, Pastor. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I have had some of those conversations with some of you recently. You're in the in-between. There's some, there's some difficulty in the in-between. That's the reality of life. This is a good fight of faith. Why? Because every time that God is going to do something good, the enemy will rise up to oppose it. The enemy will rise up to try to uh, detain the good work of God in your life. God said to Mary, Mary, you're going to have a child. And this child is not going to be conceived by a man. It's going to be a virgin birth. And she understood this is an impossible situation. But then she switched over into faith. She reached that tipping point where she said, all right, I'm going to believe God. And she said, be it done unto me according to thy word. That's just fascinating to me. Because all these men in the Bible, you know, uh, the Bible has a whole lot of macho men. And often when God speaks to a man in the Bible, he says, oh, no, Lord, not me. I can't. I won't. I'm the least. I'm, the, I, I'm nothing. And he speaks to a woman and she says, be it done unto me according to thy word. What an amazing faith that God gave that little girl. She said, God, I have no choice but to believe you. Are there any kind of women like that in the church of God this morning? All right, now let's make up for it, guys. Are there any men like that in the church this morning? Oh, that was so weak. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to give you another chance. You lost that one. She said, be it done unto me. And the moment that she said that, the impossible, the impossibility of a virgin birth became possible. But now she was in difficult. She was in between that door and this door. And what I want to ask you this morning is can you stand the pressure in between? Can you stand the pressure in between? Because there is a fight going on in between. You might have to fight your fear. 
You might have to fight your own uh, disabilities. You might have to fight your limitations. You might have to fight a wicked, sinful nature on the inside of you. But whatever it is, friend, you're going to have to get in this fight. You're going to have to make up in your mind, I am going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not going to take this lying down. I want what God has promised to me. I want the blessing of God in my life. Are you willing to fight for it? You might say, Pastor, I don't know if I have the strength to fight. I don't know if I have the will to fight. I don't know if I have the power to fight. Friend, the only way to victory is to fight. You see, some believers should have been teachers by now. But they haven't matured in their faith because they're not in the fight. They're sitting passive on the easy chair just waiting for heaven. Waiting for the rapture. Oh, friends, there's more to life than that. Maybe you should have been the boss already or the foreman in your company, but you're, you're not in the fight. You're showing up late. You're not taking initiative. you got to get in the fight. If you want to have that blessing, you're going to have to do what it takes to fight for it. It's getting real quiet in the house of God this morning. Somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, pray for my lost boy. They're in rebellion against God, and yet they won't turn their plate over and fast for a few days. They won't come to prayer meeting. They're not in the fight. They want the pastor to fight, but they don't get in the fight. I'm here to tell you, you've got to get in this fight. You've got to put on your gloves and Fight the good fight of faith. Are there any fighters in here this morning? Pastor, I want my marriage to work. I want a blessed marriage. But they won't admit when they're wrong. They won't work on their bad attitude. They won't, they won't sever old ties to bad company. They won't buy her flowers. They won't speak kindly to him. Am I talking to anybody? They won't get on their knees and pray. Uh, they're not in the fight. They want something, but they're not in the fight. And you can't have a miracle if you don't get in the fight. You can't have a miracle if you don't decide, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible said that David came upon the army of Israel. He was just a young man, a teenager. He came upon the army of Israel for 40 days. Goliath had taunted the people of God. Twice a day for 40 days. 80 taunts. Goliath had taunted the people of God and nobody would get in the fight. There was a miracle at hand for Israel. But nobody would get in the fight. And then here comes little boy David. And he hears the taunt of the Philistine. And he says, bring it on, boy. You are coming down today. I am taking your head off today. This, the sun will not set until I have had victory over you. Come on, somebody. That's the kind of faith you've got to have that says, bring it on. I am in this fight and I am going to win this fight in the name of Jesus. Are you in the fight this morning? Now listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you've got to get in the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, and take hold of eternal life. Grab on with both hands to eternal life. What is he saying to Timothy? He's saying, Timothy, if you're going to go from the impossible to done, You're going to not only have to get in the fight, but you're going to have to get determined. You're going to need commitment. You're going to need determination. 
Faith requires determination for the long haul. You know how many Christians have fallen by the wayside? Because they did not have a grip on the salvation or on the grace or on the promise that God had for them. They have laid aside those promises because they did not have long-term determination. I don't know how long it may take for you. And that's why I need to challenge you this morning to hang tough in the middle of the fight because you may just be at the ragged edge of victory this morning and I'm glad you chose to come to the house of God and get yourself built up for this fight because you are taking hold of what God has promised to you. Faith, uh, miracles require stubborn faith. Do you have stubborn faith? The kind that gets a grip on God and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I don't need but about 10 or 12 of you to have that kind of faith. Do I have at least that many? Let's say, Pastor, I've got some stubborn faith. You've, you haven't met stubborn till you met me. I can hold on. I can get, I can get a tight grip. You see, friend, that's the kind of faith that's going to make the difference in your life. The kind that says, I don't see it, but I believe it. I don't see it, but I expect it. I don't see it, but I'm waiting for it. And that kind of faith is going to see the miraculous work and power of God in its life. I heard the story. W.A. Criswell, the pastor of the famous First Baptist Church of Dallas, he said that uh, his uh, friend bought two uh, bird dogs, two big setter bird dogs. And, and one day they were sitting in the backyard enjoying the sun. And under the fence came a little bulldog, a little bow-legged bulldog. And he picked a fight with the bird dogs. And, and uh, the bird dogs whooped him real good. And the little, the little, uh, uh, the little uh, bulldog had enough, so he went home, and he sat all day licking his wounds. And the next morning, there they were, the big bird dogs enjoying the sun again. And there came the bulldog under the fence, and he picked another fight. And they whooped him again. And uh, he went, had enough, and he went home, and he uh, licked his wounds. And this went on day after day after day. And finally, the, the, the pastor had to leave on a, on a long uh, trip. And when he came back, he asked his wife, he said, Hey, you know, is that bulldog still coming around? She said, you'll never believe what happened. She said, day after day, he came in there and took his lickings. But now, when he crawls under the fence, the bird dogs go and hide. And they, they don't want anything else to do with that little bulldog. It's like he owns the backyard. I can imagine that bulldog strutting around in there. Is there anybody in here that has that kind of faith that says, I'm going to get up and keep on fighting. I'm going to get up and keep on fighting because victory belongs to the people of God. Victory belongs to the church of the living God. Get a good grip on your faith. You see, fear will tell you, what if you fail? Faith says, you've already failed if you don't try. Fear will tell you that you can't. Faith says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Fear says that you should just drift along on easy street. Faith says no. There is a pursuit that I am on for the glory of God. Faith says just trust in yourself. Fear says trust in yourself. But faith says 
I will trust in God. Take hold of eternal life. Friend, maybe today you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I'm here today to tell you that this is the best opportunity that you're ever going to have to take hold of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have been trying to decide whether you're going to follow God or not. I'm here to tell you, take hold of Jesus Christ. Because when you take hold of Him, He takes hold of you. When He, when He takes hold of you, He won't let you go until He has brought you across the finish line he said to Timothy get a hold of eternal life get some determination tomorrow morning you're going to have a decision to make Kingsway the decision will be to sit and be passive in your faith or to act upon your faith to take boldly the things that God has said before you and your family The Bible says that the prophetic word is given as a light in the darkness. The Apostle Peter said that. Here's what I have discovered. That often God will give you a prophetic word when you're in the daylight. And when we're in the daylight, it's easy to enjoy prophetic words. But you see, prophetic words aren't for the daylight. They're for the nighttime. God will give you a word in the daytime. Because he knows that you're about to get into the difficult season. You're going to get into a nighttime when you're going to need something to hold on to. I know this morning that some of you have been holding on to a word from God for a very long time. You have been holding on to a promise from God. Maybe some of you have been waiting a few months. Others have been waiting a few years or a couple of decades. But can I tell you, don't let loose of that word. Don't let loose of that promise. God is faithful and he will do what he has promised. Just hold on a little bit longer. Your due season is on the way. Come on, get excited about about it. God's word is good and he will fulfill it in your life. And then he tells Timothy, says you need to fight the fight of faith. You need to get a good grip on faith. Get a good grip on the word. And then he says, and make a good confession. He tells Timothy, Timothy, you have to put your mouth in line with God's word. You have to speak those things that are in agreement with God. And I'll just give you this simple advice. If you cannot speak in agreement with God, don't speak. Because your words are a loaded gun. And they're going to bring havoc into your life. So fill your mouth with the word of God. Fill your your mouth with the promises of God. Fill your mouth with the truth that God has revealed to you in the scripture. When you are tempted, you can say this. There is no temptation that has overtaken man, but such as is common to man. But with the temptation, God has provided a way of escape. And you put that word in your mouth. When you feel battered and accused by the devil, you tell him, Devil, no weapon formed against me will prosper. For this is the inheritance of the children of God. And every tongue that rises up against me, God will condemn When you come against a financial difficulty, put this word in your mouth. 
mouth. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Are you sick? Remind yourself that you are the healed of the Lord. That he sent his word and healed your disease. That he is, that his blood has made a remission for your sin and for your sickness. When you find yourself in a battle for your soul, remember that it is God who fights for you and that he is a defender of the weak and the weary. Put your mouth in agreement with the word of God. You know what I have discovered? So much of us often, we, we say one thing and we expect another. We say, I'm going to be sick, and then we expect God to heal us. We say, I'm going to be broke all my life, and then we expect God to prosper us. you got to change what you're saying. Because the Word of God is the, pro- is the power of God in your life. When you engage your mouth with the Word of God, you're saying, all right, God, I'm in agreement with you. I am aligning my speech and my vocabulary with your word. When Mary said, be it done unto me according to your word. I'm going to believe your word. And what does she go and tell Joseph? Exactly what God had said. She filled her mouth with the word of God. When you read in in, in, uh, Luke chapter 2, she quotes more than eight times from the Old Testament in her song and the Magnificat because she was a woman who was filled with the word of God. Friends, you and I must learn to fill our mouth with the word of God. For God said, I have given you a sharp sword in your mouth. When a believer speaks in agreement with God, that believer is going to see God perform mighty works on their behalf. I remember the story of a man who reached the world as an evangelist, very well-known evangelist. And his mother, as a little boy, would go, uh, when he was a little boy, his mother would go into his bedroom and she would pray over him and she would say, Lord, make this young man a preacher. Lord, this man is going to be an evangelist. Lord, I pray that you will protect him. And he would hear that and say, I hated to hear my mother say that. I didn't want to be a preacher. But that word was going forth with power. That word was communicating the truth of God's of God over that life you have that kind of power that's why I end every service with the blessing in this church because there is power in the word if you get nothing any any given day of the week when you walk out of this church you will walk out blessed because he will he will meet his word on the street and he will perform it come on somebody give God praise for his undying word Make a good confession. Put your mouth in agreement with God. Impossible. Difficult. Done. Don't you like done? I'd much rather like done than difficult. But you see, it's in the difficult that my faith grows up. It's in the difficult that my courage is strengthened in the Almighty God. 
It's in the difficult that I find that God is faithful for his word. And when I get to done, I can celebrate what God has done in my life. And I can say, look what the Lord has done. Look what God has performed on my behalf and for my life. I believe God's speaking to somebody this morning. You're in the difficult season. But I'm here to tell you, God will get it done. I said, God will get it done. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. God is going to get it done. Get excited about it. God is going to get it done. Tell yourself this morning, God will get it done. You got to let that get down deep into your spirit this morning. God will get this done. I don't know how I'm going to pay for college. God will get it done. I don't know how I'm going to get that job. There's better people, better qualified. But God will get it done. I don't know how I'm going to save this marriage. But God will get it done. I don't know how I'm going to break loose from the chains of my addiction. But God will get it done. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God that does the impossible. A God that moves mountains. A God that shatters yokes. God will get it done on your behalf. Maybe today some of you are sitting in a house that one day was impossible. And then it became difficult. And now you're sleeping in that house and it's done. And God says, all right, let's go another round. What else do you need done in your life? There were some of you, one day you were bound by drugs and alcohol and freedom seemed impossible. You see, you're sitting around some people this morning who've been, who've been in some rough places. They have seen some dark things. But I know that one day it seemed impossible. But they clicked over into faith. And they went through that difficult season. But now it's done. Now it's done. Now it's done. I'm here to tell you that God is the doer. Of the impossible. Jesus came to the earth. It might have seemed as though saving a lost humanity was impossible. But he came and became a man. And that man went into the difficulty of the cross. And on that cross, he faced the difficulty of the rejection for your sin and my sin. And your shame and my shame. Then he descended way down to the very depths of death itself. The son of the living God died for the sake of sinners. And the difficulty seemed that it had won. But I'm here today to tell you that his last words on the cross are his last words for you. It is done. It is finished. Three days later, he came with life out of that grave because God can turn the impossible into something that is done on your behalf. Now, I ask you again, can you stand the difficulty? This morning, I have a simple commission from the Almighty God. He says to you, get in the fight. Get in the fight. Don't sit passive. Don't wait around. Get in the fight, and you will see what God will do. 
you will discover that God is fighting for you and that God is fighting with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Give God praise in his house this morning. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? This is our altar call this morning. God is saying, get in the fight. I want you to come into this altar if you're fighting for something in your faith life. I want you just to come into this altar as an act of faith saying, God, I'm in the fight. Give me endurance. Give me strength. Come on, if you're fighting for something, if you're expecting something, take that step this morning. Get out into miracle territory where God can move, where God can work. Is that all the fighters we've got this morning? Come on, there's more that God has for you. But you're going to have to make a decision. I want everything that God has promised for my life. And I'm willing to stand for it. I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to get on my knees. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to fast. I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes. To change the way I handle my money. To change the way I handle relationships. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. God, just tell me what I have to do to fight this fight. And give you the strength to do it. Almighty God, I pray that a wave of the anointing of the Spirit would come into this room. That a conviction of the unseen would come and fill the hearts of your people this morning. I don't see it in the natural, but I see it in the spirit. God will get it done. God will get it done. He's brought you to the end of yourself for a reason. Because he is at work. Come on, just fill your mouth this morning with praise. Fill your mouth with, a, with an offering of, of adoration to the living God. Start fighting in your prayer. Push back unbelief. Push back doubt.